Hello and welcome back to West Bank Bible Church Podcast. Dave and Pastor Merritt here with you today for Daniel lesson number 30. As we move along, got a few hundred to go and we're going to get there. Just come along for the ride. But before we begin, as is our custom, let's remember 1 John 1 9 as may or may not be necessary. Father, we are grateful that we can come to you and use the First John 1, 9 grace provisions by simply naming, which in the scripture, of course, is citing our sins as the Holy Spirit shows. And then on the promise of the word, we will be completely filled with the Spirit and thus teachable. As the Scripture says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we're going to claim the promise and use First John 1 9. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Last week we completed the exegesis and, and analysis of Daniel 2, verses 35 to 40. When time ran out, we were in the process of previewing the doctrine of dispensations. Before returning to the preview, I want to review an expanded translation of Daniel 2.31-40. through 40. What you saw, O king, was this. There before you stood a great statue. This great image was awesome in brightness. Its colorful appearance signified several future glamorous empires. Its form was terrifying, a symbol of the great power of the empires to come. The golden head represented you, O king, as ruler of Chaldea. The beast and the arms of silver represent the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. To follow, and the belly and thighs of bronze represent a Grecian empire whose kingdom will supplant the Medo-Persians. <coughs> the legs of the image were made of iron representing the Roman Empire, and the feet were made of both iron and clay representing the revived Roman Empire. When you saw a large uncut stone rolling down a steep grade, it struck the base of the image and the iron and clay were smashed into many pieces. The stone represented Jesus Christ in his second advent role. As a result of the stone striking the image, the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold were broken into pieces and a great wind blew them away. Not a trace of the shards could be found, and the large uncut stone, a representation of Jesus Christ, became a great mountain and filled the entire earth. His rulership was recognized by all the nations of the world. Now, my king, with reference to what you dreamed, I shall interpret it for you. 
You, Nebuchadnezzar, are unique. For the God of the universe has given you a remarkable kingdom, a kingdom of glamour and military power. God has given you authority over the entire earth. Yes, O king, you are the head of gold. But after you shall rise an inferior kingdom, consisting of the Medes and Persians. And after this kingdom, another one shall rise, the Greco-Macedonian kingdom of Alexander the Great. And then the Roman Empire, a fourth kingdom, strong like iron, shall break and subdue all things. The Iron Empire shall bruise all peoples, especially my people Israel, who are under divine discipline. All right, that's the review. Now let's look at the doctrine of dispensations. Pastor Merritt. All right, David, let's go for a definition. A dispensation is a period of time in which God expresses a divine viewpoint. God has chosen to divide time into segments. He has appointed agents or one agent to disseminate his revelations in each of the respective time segments. Human history may be classified into six dispensations. These six can be grouped into three categories of two dispensations. Here we go. Where are, what are the two? Well, let's talk about the theocentric, the Christocentric, and we might as well add the eschatological since that's where we are in our lesson. So three dispensations. The theocratic consists of the age of the Gentiles and the age of Israel, each of which occurred before God spoke to us through his son, ergo, they are pre-incarnate. We find that in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. And I'll read. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The Christocentric consists of the kingdom age and the church age. The eschatological dispensations 
consist of the tribulation and the millennium. It it is important to understand that biblical revelation falls into these well-defined periods. The timeline is God's clock for his history. Let's take a quick look at what we often call our regular dispensation chart. In fact, David, I think times past, we've looked at this chart before. Yes, we have. But it is very revealing, and therefore, certainly not wasted in a review. So you can see you have the age one, you have the age of Israel, you have the age of grace, and of course that's actually where we are today, the age of grace, and it's going to end with the rapture of the church, as you can see, and we all look forward to that. Oh, it will begin the tribulation. David, we ain't going to be there. We're going to be in heaven. When the Lord calls us, we'll meet him in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And we call that event, leaving here, the rapture of the church. And that will begin the uh, tribulation. And the tribulation will begin with the event we like to call the rapture. And it will end with the second advent, which will begin the age of Christ. The age of Christ or the thousand years of the millennium and that will end with the second advent of Christ. Be reminded it is Jesus Christ who controls history and though we are responsible for our choices all choices were anticipated and our very own spiritual life developed. Recognition and understanding of the dispensations of God will facilitate an understanding of God's Word. God has chosen in His omniscience to reveal Himself differently in his designated segments of time which of course we have called dispensations what might be true for one dispensation may not be appropriate for another in every age there are differences but they are also inexorable 
axioms which are sacrosanct. For example, in every age, the salvation mechanics are the same. Faith alone in Christ alone. Notice Genesis 15.6 and then we'll look at another important scripture or two as relates to faith alone in Christ alone. For example, Genesis 15.6 And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. That's true in every dispensation. It's just that it takes a little different format as each dispensation requires. requires. Then there's Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And then we have Acts 16.31. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Very interesting passage. So we know from scripture elsewhere, he went to his house and witnessed to his family, and they accepted Christ as Savior. Because salvation is the same in every age. It just takes a slightly different format given the dispensation. And then there's Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 22. And we'll read through verse 29. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all, and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely, by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. Of what law? Of works? Nay but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also 
of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. In every age, there is only one Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 14, 12, Verily, verily, a truth to truth, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And then Acts 14, 12, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. God reveals Christ in many ways throughout the ages many different ways he reveals himself. By faith, but, excuse me, but faith in him is the only way of eternal salvation. The English words age or ages are often found in the New Testament. A few examples. Ephesians 2, 7, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Ephesians 3, 5, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and of course prophets how? by the spirit that is God's spirit in verse 9 in that Ephesians 3 and make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past, <coughs> excuse me, was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Tell us what Hebrews 12, 1 to has to say, David. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, <clears throat> whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the ages. In the Bible, ages are often distinguished by their differing protocols. For example, John 1, 7, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Luke 16, 16, The law and the prophets were until John, but since John the Baptist, the kingdom of God is preached, 
and every man presseth into it. Matthew chapter 5, 5, verse 21 and 22. Ye have heard that it was said of them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 through 8. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Compare the protocols described in the above passages to the protocols described in Acts 16.31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's a new one. (laughs) (laughs) Hebrews 7.11 and 12. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron. For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change regarding the law. Galatians chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Romans 4, verse 3 through 8. I'm sorry, 4, 3 through 9. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision only. For we say that faith was reckoned 
to Abraham for righteousness. An understanding of dispensations is a must if we are to make sense of the Bible. Dispensations, when understood, can spark an interest in Bible study. This because suddenly the Bible doesn't seem like a hodgepodge of contradictions. Man's relationship with God, as we have already seen, has not been the same in every age. While God himself does not change, he has, in his omniscience, elected to give varying instructions and responsibilities which are, as to their primary application, limited to a given period. Only those portions of scriptures that are directly addressed to the child of God under grace are to be given primary application. All such primary instruction, the believer is to perform in detail. It should be observed there are spiritual lessons to be drawn from every portion of the Bible. It does not follow, however, that every Christian is appointed to conform to the governing principles which were or will in the future be the will of God for people of other dispensations. We will see numerous such examples later, but just to whet your appetite, in the millennium there are some obvious protocols which, if embraced, apart from a dispensational understanding, could prove very dangerous for the present saint. Isaiah, Isaiah verse 6 and 7 out of chapter 11, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones will lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Isaiah 2.4 And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Since we depend entirely upon the word of God for our instructions, and since the principles imposed in the various dispensations are so diverse, and even at times seemingly contradictory, it is important that we recognize those portions which directly apply to us. If we are to realize the will of God for our life, we must then understand which portions of the scripture have primary and which have secondary application. Let's see if we can't learn a little about the concept of primary and secondary application of, of dispensational truths by taking a look at the first sub-age, the age or sub-age of, in of innocence. The first dispensation is said to begin with the creation of man. You'll find that in Genesis 2-7 and Genesis 2, 21-24. And it ends with the fall of man, 
Genesis 3.6. Let me read Genesis 2.7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Then in Genesis 2, beginning in verse 21, and I shall read through verse 24. And the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Then verse 24, They therefore, excuse me, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. In Genesis 3, 6, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took up the fruit thereof and did eat and gave it unto her husband. And he did eat. Gee, I wish he hadn't have done that, David. And I wish man had not yielded to her particular, oh, we like to call it sin, but it's choice. Point 14.2. 14.2. In this age, man was responsible or being fruitful, subduing the earth, having dominion over the animals, using vegetables for food, and caring for a place called the garden. The Garden of Eden, of course. Genesis 2.15 And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress and to keep it. Much of that which occurred we understand but only in part because the garden and innocence are foreign to us. To attempt to make direct application in our life of the instructions given Adam and Eve is impossible. Therefore, innocence as an age makes for a good teaching tool. Though there is no direct application to the church age saint in the age of innocence, there is significant 
secondary application and many truths appropriate for us. Let's look at a few secondary principles taught in this unique little sub-age, sub-age, which is called many, the age of innocence. There was one prohibition given to man in that beautiful garden. You may not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good. For when you eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. A few subpoints under Genesis 2.17. A church aid saint, or as church aid saints, we learn from Genesis 2.17 that volition is important to God. He left in perfect environment a mechanism for exercising our free will. People then need to be free to choose Christ or reject Christ. We learn that in perfect environment Man does not need either sin or human good. Grace and human good are mutually exclusive. In this age of innocence, God introduces us to the principle of grace with the promise of a Redeemer. Genesis 3.15, for example, God provides to fallen man coats of skin typical of the provision of redemptive sacrifice to come. Genesis 3.21 Genesis 3.15 says, And I will put enmity enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Genesis 3.21 says, And Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. A couple of subpoints. The virgin birth was introduced to us and the future pain, death, and victory of the Messiah to come is also taught in verse 15 of Genesis. The principle of a right woman being brought to the right man as his completer is taught. Genesis 3.20, reading through verse 23. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field 
but for Adam there was not found an help made for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of, excuse me, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. The need for the right man and the right woman to come together as one is taught in this age. Both soul and physical oneness are taught. Genesis 2, 24 and 25. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and he shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. The need to support one another, even against the future attacks of in-laws, is taught in this first dispensation. This was long in advance of there being any such human genre. So you see, in a dispensation, there may be little, if any, primary application, but ample secondary application. The age of innocence, like all dispensations, like all dispensations, begins with man being placed in a divinely appointed position of privilege and blessing and ends with the failure of man resulting in judgment from God. Genesis 3, 22 and 23. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. All right, Dave, it's all yours. Genesis 3.24. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So much for how an understanding of dispensations just might help us in our study of the Bible, especially the book of Daniel. 
That concludes Lesson 30. You know we're happy to have you with us again, and we're looking forward to being with you again next week for Lesson number 31. Pastor Merritt, close us in a prayer. Father, we are grateful for the privilege of being able to study your word and to transmit it to numbers of people, the ones that you would have know more about you. So we thank you so much for that privilege. And uh, David's going to close things out here in a minute and tell you how to get saved because no one can understand this scriptures unless they first believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So, uh, David, it's all yours. All right. To do something a little different, I'm going to go ahead and quote from the lesson today. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Until next time. So long.